Another Look, the podcast bringing back a personal pop culture recommendation with Ren and Roger. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Give It A Look podcast. My name is Roger and I'm here with Rin. Rin, how's lockdown treating you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Keeping busy or trying to, watching movies. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, similar, similar. Um, it's making me turn grey, though. I found a few extra grey hairs this morning, so that's uh, oh, yep. that's, that's always fun. fun. I don't yep. mind going grey, though. You know, I would rather go grey <laughs> than lose all my hair. So we'll see uh, how the genetic lottery works out for me. <laughs> Maybe you'll end up a, a silver fox, as they say. <laughs> yeah, Daddy Sutton's very much uh, in vogue at the moment. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> or a George Clooney. The way this uh, podcast works is that we each make a media recommendation to the other person that they have not experienced yet, and then we get to hear a little bit of feedback from them, a bit of a, a fresh take, a hot take, a burning hot take sometimes. Uh, so we're going to jump right into things, I think. Rin, my recommendation to you this week was the 2017 dramedy The Big Sick starring Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, now, this film was written by Kumail and his real-life wife, Emily. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was written about their uh, experiences of getting together, actually, and some of the circumstances surrounding them starting their relationship and uh, they're now married and, and kicking goals in Hollywood. Kumail, of course, is about to be inducted into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so uh, he's someone whose star is very much on the rise. Uh, but The Big Sick is semi-autobiographical and mm-hmm. uh, Kamal plays himself. He's slumming it in the Chicago stand-up comedy scene, trying to make it big in, in the crowded scene. And he meets Emily at one of his gigs and they have a one-night stand and kind of come to an agreement that that's all it was going to be. But there's something there for both of them and they eventually start a relationship. And this is complicated by the fact that Kamal is from a Pakistani background culturally arranged marriage is kind of the way to go in his family and so he's not really sure how to go about introducing the fact that he's he's with this girl uh, who's from a different culture to his parents and eventually she finds this out and uh, leaves him for a time until she uh, actually gets very sick and ends up in a medically induced coma for a time. Kamail's character, it's a little bit of a fish out of water thing because he uh, eventually crosses paths with her parents. They, they come to care for her and it's it's him just navigating this relationship and what he's going to do about yeah differentiating himself from the place that he's come from and moving into something new. So I thought this was a really sweet sweet film with really great performances, but I'm interested to hear your opening thoughts, Rin. I think I was expecting more. I didn't not like the film. I didn't think it was wow. I did like the themes throughout it though, you know, like the interracial relationship kind of aspect of it, you know, like Mm. the mum, for example, they have their family dinners and each time she's like, the doorbell rings. Oh, who is that? I will go answer that. What a surprise. And, you know, and then there's this young single Pakistani girl there to be uh, suited, I suppose, to Kamal. Oh, look who was in, in the neighbourhood and just dropped by in our cul-de-sac, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did find that aspect quite funny. And there were bits like where I'd have a laugh and everything. I don't know. There, for me, it was just, I don't know if there was that power for me or that pizzazz or like enough laughter, not laughter, but I guess, you know, 
effect on me. It was a nice film. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get to Final Judgments a little bit yeah. later. I think you're right in saying that it is a slight film. I called it a dramedy. You know, it kind of has this lightness to start and then the middle act is when um, Emily is in her coma is, is uh, a mm. lot more serious. What did you make of the central performances of uh, Kamal and uh, Zoe Kazan as uh, Emily? Kamel was, I enjoyed him. Um, I, the part I did like, you know, he was learning, I guess, about her and, you know, learning about himself as well while she was in this coma. And then there's a scene later on where they're having a, you know, she's a, she's a wake party. And she kind of says, you know, that's all great. You've learned all this stuff. Oh, yes, you want to be with me, but you didn't want to be with me before. But for me, I've only just woken up. And the last mm. thing that I remember is that you broke my heart. But for him, he's been next to her bedside the whole time and bonding mm. with her, her family and getting to know all these things, you know. Actually, speaking of the family, um, I did want to bring up uh, the mention of Ray Romano, which was nice, you know. Deborah. <laughs> Deborah. Deborah. Playing Emily's. <laughs> Uh, father yeah we'll oh, talk about father that. yes where are they from they're from north carolina they've come to chicago once they found out emily was in this coma and they've just been spending time getting to know kamel who didn't want to meet the parents mm. because of his own concerns with his parents of um you know not accepting a interracial relationship you know he gets to know the parents they're both at first they're really brash Towards him, yeah, perhaps? particularly particularly yeah. the mother. Obviously, Emily's told mum everything that's happened, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, over time, you know, when they realise Kamel's not going anywhere, you know, they start to embrace him and love him, and that's really lovely and really special part of the mm. movie and a nice development. Yeah, I think Zoe Kazan's performance as Emily's interesting because you wonder if this is going to turn into another one of those manic pixie dream girl kind of things which we've seen so many times but i feel like her character has some flesh on her bones she's quite funny actually she's quite witty they've got a good banter about each other like maybe self-deprecating in a way <laughs> like, yeah and she know. has a life she's studying to be a therapist she's got this past she was in a serious relationship and a marriage which broke down and what's really unconventional i guess is that she really does get taken out of the film more or less for a, a large yeah, part of its runtime which is which is yeah. not something you see so you go in thinking assuming she's going to be um another main character and then she's basically out <laughs> for the film mm. um until you know the last bit <laughs> mm. You know, she's her own person and it's a nice kind of female to look up to as well. You know, mm. she's kind of like, yeah, I'm doing doing my own thing and I'm studying hard and doing this. And she knows what she wants. She knows what she doesn't want in life. Mm. And I think that's something to really look up to in a way as mm. well. Um, Mentioned Ray Romano as Emily's father. I really liked Holly Hunter as her mother, mm. Elastigirl herself. Mm -hmm. It's really oh, quite that, a... Uh, yeah. That's the voice because I was trying to, I was like, hmm, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah. She's got a, a very distinctive kind of voice, yeah. uh, Holly does. Yeah. She's really good as this very quite stern, quite offstanding mother figure who mm -hmm. doesn't take to Kamel at all uh, until no. they kind of find some common ground later on. So it's, yeah. it's nice performances uh, all around. I think it's good to see an unconventional romantic lead as well yeah yeah absolutely not the you know typecast white mm. guy six foot tall you know quotation marks handsome you know it was just like a you know normal kind of guy you know everyday joe essentially that was a nice aspect it was more i guess relatable and this is but before you know he what? got really jacked for the eternals so 
Well, I recognize him from uh, Silicon Valley. <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. But I, I did have a thought, actually, because um, the fact that this was based off Kamal's and, you know, his real wife, Emily's life, there's a scene where he's he's doing his stand-up, you know, and he's talking about his, you know, his girlfriend who's in a coma and he kind of breaks down. And I, I just wonder if he probably drew from that pain that he would have felt previously as well. And, you know, you could see how upsetting that was for him. And I just thought, I, I actually really liked that part of the movie. I mean, obviously it was quite sad, <laughs> but, you know, it was probably the part of the movie that I actually felt really deep that those events actually happened to him and Emily mm. reliving that you know, essentially as well would be uh, a big thing to do. I think stand-up comedy is such an interesting art form because, you know, we pay people to hear them make these sometimes painfully true observations about life. Mm. Sometimes they're able to make a joke about something that everyone experiences and sometimes it's something quite real, something that doesn't happen every day. And it's nice to see someone get behind something mm -hmm. with some darkness and pain in it. Yeah, it's always nice to see people being vulnerable. And this was produced by Judd, Ap uh, Judd Apatow's company. Yeah. And they've yeah. kind of become specialists in this, the, the comedy sector, but comedy with an edge. I think sometimes a bit of slapstick, edge. isn't it? Like he's made been involved with a lot of great films. You know, he's done movies such as like, you know, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, you know, Funny People, Trainwreck, those kind of well, films, you know, he's been involved with as well. Yeah, his films usually um, are very I guess similar like it's always kind of like a you know romantic comedy or comedy drama those kind of stories cool so uh wrapping up give it a look or give it a miss yeah give it give it a look give it a look on Netflix um I probably just don't feel the need to watch it again yeah and not every <laughs> not every good film is a rewatch kind of thing but no, if it's, no. worth, a look, like it's said, worth a look it was quite pleasant let's say that you just know, a nice warm story. hug the audio of movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, if you're looking to uh, give it a watch um, or give it a look, I should say, um, have a look on Netflix. Brilliant. Yeah, Netflix Australia, I should Netflix specify. Australia. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> At least. Our accents may not have given us away yet. <laughs> Someone's listening in Turkey going, why can't I find it on my Netflix? I don't yes. know. Netflix in Turkey. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Probably. Who knows? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, Rin, what was your film for me this week yeah yeah so my film for you was uh the 2008 movie uh twilight which was a ginormous hit <laughs> i i just remember for myself being in um what year was i in i'm pretty sure i was in year nine i'd read the book in 2007 and when we found out the movie was coming out everyone had lost their little minds <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie was huge, especially for people like of my age, like prime demographic, like 14, 15 year old. And yeah, we went and saw this film and we just thought it was the best thing ever. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've recently rewatched the whole saga. <laughs> no regrets. You kind of know it's not great, but you just, for nostalgic reasons and for comedic reasons, I think, you, and ironically, you have to watch it. <laughs> the plot is Bella Swan, a 17-year-old who goes to live with her dad, Charlie, uh, in Forks because um, her, her mum is married to this like minor league baseball player. So they kind of move around a bit. So she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go live with my dad who she 
kind of doesn't really have much of a relationship with, I suppose, since she was younger. Charlie's also chief of police. He knows everyone around town. Uh, anyway, so, you know, she starts school, starting to make friends, although she's like super awkward. You know, then there's this mysterious, you know, good looking family that walks into the cafeteria. You know, they're all ooh mysterious and everyone wants to be with them. And, you know, she's intrigued by them, essentially. But there's, you know, and they're all kind of they're paired off, you know, together, uh, except for one who is Edward Cullen. There's a scene later on where um, they're in the car park and this van, you know, starts skidding along and almost, you know, goes towards Bella and this is essentially going to crush her until um, Edward jumps in and, you know, gets in between her and this van and like stops it. Bella and Edward just have this intense look like, what the hell is that? You know, and Edward's looking at her like, oh my God, she knows my secret. And so he like runs off into the forest or whatever and then she follows. They just go, you know, she's like, what is that? What are you? (laughs) All this stuff and uh he's like you know I'm a vampire that's all very nice and well and he's like well you know my secret now come see my family they go to the family and you know some of the family is like hi nice to meet you this is lovely and then others are a bit more reserved like she will spoil our secret they will know we are vampires there's a scene where they um they go and play baseball some like rogue other vampires come in and you know they're like oh hi guys you know not realizing Bella's there who is a human so they're trying to hide her scent essentially you know the wind picks up and one of the vampires kind of goes I want to eat Bella we better hide Bella we gotta hide her get her away they put her away in I don't know some ballet studio and James like the evil vampire he's he's he hunts for sport like that's his thing right like um and so you know he's like he won't he won't stop until he essentially hunts down Bella and so yeah they they you know eventually he finds Bella and you know then Edward comes and you know they have this big battle scene and um you know James has already bitten Bella and got the you know vampire venom in her but yeah and just the facials from Edward as he's trying to suck out the venom is quite hilarious in itself (laughs) you know and then fast forward you know they go to prom etc etc and they love each other so that's basically the gist of the plot um then you move on to new moon after that so yeah tell me me what are your thoughts my thoughts well how much time you got Rin? Oh, well, mate, I think I just, like, explained the whole movie and probably the amount of time it took <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> Before I get into it, I honestly feel like I need to check with you. Have I done something wrong, Rin? Are you trying to punish me for something? Is our friendship over? I just need to check. Uh, this movie just, I just love it, but I also ironically love it. But yeah. I love it. <laughs> this is hot garbage, people, and most of you know that. When watching it, I tried my best to divorce myself from the history of memes and discourse that's been happening about this film since 2008. I was 16 when this came out, didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole because, you know, I'm just a 16-year-old edgelord and I want to be cool. And the books were in my house, but I had no desire to pick them up. First off, the look of the film, the colour grading on this film is disgusting. It's so bad. The director has been vilified for making this film so bad, like so dark, so mm. uh, like she, yeah, that's obviously why she didn't come back for the other films. <laughs> it reminds well me done. of one of those CSI flashbacks or reenactments uh, from like, Cold Case. Uh, dun, dun. No, that's Sophia. <laughs> oh, oh, <Lord laughs> order. 
something like that. I understand why it was made because uh, vampires, sunlight, whatever, Forks is meant to be this dreary place, but it hurts my eyes, just the contrast <laughs> of everything. And everyone looks everyone looks unwell. It's like the rainiest, cloudiest part of America. Bella and Edward's first meeting in their science class is really one for the ages because I couldn't get over the fact that Edward looked like he was constipated the whole time. <laughs> I mean, we understand later on that this is because he is disturbed by how tasty her scent is or her blood smells. Okay, full disclosure, Kristen Stewart and um, Robert Pattinson, they've gone on to better things since this and it must be hard to get yourself locked into a franchise deal just have to stick this out with however the characters are written. But I was going to say Robert Pattinson has like condemned Twilight being like, oh, God. Please, no, like leave leave it in the past. (laughs) Very much left it in the past. Kristen, she plays Bella with such a strange affectation. She's just really angsty, She's this mouth-breathing, like, anime (laughs) character who doesn't make eye contact. Yeah, she's mumbling. She's like, "Mm, I I don't really, mm, I I don't really like, (laughs) I don't really like stuff. You know what really gets me, though, is, like, all the boys in town love her because she's, like, the new toy to play with. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're all just like, oh, Bella, oh, Bella, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, she's really boring and dumb. Rin, she's a nothing. She's a nothing <laughs> she, character. What does this character want? Like, what is she into? What is she interested she, in? She's, she, she's only into Edward, obviously. <laughs> well, what was she into before she met Edward then? I mean, she occasionally listens to something on her iPod. That's really all there is. And this group of kids who kind of take her in at high school, they seem kind of cool. I want to hear more about them. I want to see her enjoying herself with them a bit more, not being isolated by this guy. Did you notice a young Anna Kendrick? In the oh, film. of course, of course, love that. Yeah, and you know she's yeah, just a small good part. Cast, good cast, um, good mentionable cast members in the film as well. What I did want to ask you about was, what did you think of the uh, movie soundtrack? Because that's it's a banging, banging soundtrack. You know what? I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going to agree with you there. And I was wanting like more needle drops. I know there's there's a few in there. You know, you've got Muse, you've got mm-hmm. Mute Math. Oh, love me some Mute Math. You've got <laughs> Paramore, of course. Mm-hmm. This was huge. Well, I think for them. that I think that well, that launched their music career. I think essentially, like into at least mainstream um, audiences. Probably, like for me, that's when I first heard of Muse as well. My favourite scene, I think, in the whole movie is that baseball scene where they start playing Supermassive Black Hole by yeah. Muse and, and you just go, oh, yeah, this is a tune. And, look, I'm not going to lie, I still have that. <laughs> I have that song on all my playlists. <laughs> it's a great song. It's a banger. I'm not going to argue the point there. I think uh, the soundtrack work was really great and that uh, extends to most of the series. The whole relationship, it's so problematic. Edward oh, yeah. is... He's manipulative, he gaslights her, he isolates her. He has so much self-loathing and Mm -hmm. she seems to want to argue the point that she's not scared of him, that she's going to redeem him somehow and that she sees good in him when he almost has as little a personality as her. I think I know why he can't (laughs) read her mind. Maybe that's why they're matched. (laughs) 
She has no thoughts. She doesn't care. She doesn't want anything. She's more than willing to get bitten because she she just nothing's her life. Essentially, his interest and love in her is because he can't read her mind. Like he can read everyone else's. Um, you know, yeah. there's a scene where they're in <laughs> at a restaurant, and he's like reading everyone's mind. He's like, I can tell you everyone's minds right now. You know, money, sex, money, sex, cat. But I can't read your mind. <laughs> Which I like, think Ooh. is dumb because people are more complicated yeah. than that. Which, <laughs> yeah, she kind of puts two and two together and figures out that he's a vampire. How come she's the first one to figure it out? They're they're so scared about being found out, and they haven't been in falls for too long. Uh, Forks, I guess, for too long. I guess they they don't really integrate with many of the other students, though. They kind of keep to themselves, I suppose. And they all the other students just go, "Oh, their dad takes them out for camping, and oh, they're all so good looking. They must go fishing or something, you know, kind of thing." But when they go away, that just means they're hunting, you know, for prey in the forest or something if it's set so? in a in a universe where vampires exist you know she goes yeah. and she reads on this mythology then someone yeah. would have figured it out i cannot believe uh-huh. that she's the first one to do so you know what yeah. i forgot about the sparkling thing as well like i know oh, the yeah. memes about that yes. but i've forgotten about it and when he yeah. took her up the mountain to say i want to show you what i look like in the sunlight I was actually expecting him to look disfigured or ugly or have horns coming yeah. out or or something. But no, he yeah. has diamond skin. <laughs> okay. Because he's supposed to be he's supposed to be really tough, you know? Really tough and indestructible. And you know, when they do kill each other or break, you hear gl- like glass smashing. <laughs> it makes sense, Roger. And there's a little exchange <laughs> which sums up the whole film. Edward goes, Oh, and lo. The lion fell in love with the lamb, <laughs> referring to him and Bella. And Bella goes, what a stupid lamb. And Edward goes, what a sick masochistic lion. And that's the whole film. Yeah, She's basically. dumb yeah. and has more going for her. Like she doesn't have to go for this guy. And also she, you know, wants to... Um marry him as well and she's you know her 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 worries you know in later movies is getting older as well and being like oh but i don't want to be old i want to be with you forever you know kind of thing and he's like i'm 108 you'll never be older than me yeah withholding the eternal youth thing Uh, i've got a few more notes here so stephanie mayer the writer of the book makes yes an absurd cameo (laughs) it's an absurd cameo because she's sent a screen for too long and the waitress calls her (laughs) stephanie and says hey stephanie here's your meatloaf or whatever and it's so distracting you you don't notice that until you like read about it online you go oh my god stephanie meyer was in the movie whoa cameo anything that could have elevated (laughs) this into an interesting visual spectacle as in showing off vampire powers and stuff looks so bad all the super speed looks terrible Anything grisly is is muted. There's barely any blood. Like it's so yeah. glossed over. It's quite to... PG in a sense, isn't it? In that regard, Bram Stoker is rolling around in his grave, kind of thing. <laughs> but you know what? Like this movie just like made over four hundred million dollars at the box office, and the whole saga has made like three billion dollars or something. It opens the way for I think Vampire Academy and the House of Night novels as well. And what was the good thing about Twilight was it actually made people read again? Not a lot of people my age were reading a lot. And I think it made them like encouraged them to read. And I think that was really good. Like I used to read quite a bit. I when I had my part-time job, I'd go and spend my money on books. 
you know, I'll thank Twilight for that. And I still have those books today. <laughs> I admire your ability to see the positives in this room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying. This did pave the way for other franchises with middling results. I actually really like the first two Hunger Games films as well. Yeah. Uh, they're oh, not yeah, perfect, yeah. but uh, and I, I feel they're much better than this as well. I think they've got you, much more to say. Because like going with the Hunger Games um, series, I actually really liked the movie adaptations. Personally, I thought they were pretty close to the books, so I was quite happy with that. Look, with the Twilight series, it's very repetitive and the same descriptions and, like, it's just an easy read, I suppose. Did you find any major differences between the book and the film? Because I haven't read it. I can't remember. It was, like, 10 years ago. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, I remember how I felt reading them if that makes yeah. sense like going oh yes this is a bit repetitive blah 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 but still I w- we were stoked to go and see this film when it came out um and we went and saw a two-day like an advanced screening like through the school and everyone like screamed you know when the movie started and it was just I think for me it's like really nostalgic and it just like you know puts you back in that time yeah it was something like really exciting for everyone and it was something like uh, it didn't matter what clique or group you were in at school, like everyone had read the book and everyone knew the same thing. So it was like a topic of conversation, I suppose. It was an event, a different time. Yeah, different time. Well, and again, that's good that you can appreciate this. You might have heard the discourse about the Twilight Saga being this analogy for uh, abstinence as well. Yes. Like this movie is yeah. so horny. It's so <laughs> horny. You know, the fact yeah. that Edward is oh, yes, driven insane Edward, like, by her scent and he wants to suck yeah. her blood per se, you know. And there's just this really toxic and unhealthy undercurrent of self-loathing and an imbalance between what each of them wants. And uh, I just... I can, I can feel I can't, your... I can't even, Ren. This is, this is high-grade trash. And and look, any kind of ironic (laughs) kick you can get out of it, good luck to you. This is absolutely given a miss. This film just needs to be (laughs) just put away. And if you did want to check this one out, it is on Aussie Netflix until the 18th of September, which is probably already passed. What a shame. Oh, don't worry. People will want to find it. They'll find it. (laughs) Well, that's all for this edition of Give It a Look. We are actually going to move into something a little bit different in October. October is going to be our first music month. So we're looking forward to that. And we've already got our first album recommendations for each other lined up. Rin, what's your first one for me? So my recommendation for you is uh, the album Tapestry by Carol King. Uh, it's one of my favourites, something I have going on in my car constantly. I, I still have, I did have, I have it on CD for my old car, not so much now. <laughs> so I have to use, I use my Spotify, but you know, it's still there. So yeah, it's one of my favourites and something I constantly sing around too. So yeah, no, I, I, I'd be keen to see what you reckon of that album as well. Excellent. Yeah, I have no experience with Carol King at all. When we were talking about this before the podcast, I was like, oh yeah, that's Nat King Cole's daughter, right? I had no idea who she was. I was way (laughs) off the mark. Not quite, not quite. (laughs) And my recommendation for you is White Ladder by David Gray, the singer-songwriter, an album that's been in my life since I was about 14 and is a really old favourite. So I'm excited to hear what you think of that. I'm keen and, you know, pop it on in the car. Why not have a sing-along? You know what I'm thinking as well? I think people will start to think I'm quite old in my tastes, you know, with all my recommendations. But let's be honest, I'm basically 80 years old. 
<laughs> I think we're both old souls. I think anyone who's been listening to us for this long has picked up on that. <laughs> I'm really excited. I love music and I'm really excited to discover more because I don't discover enough new stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what we'll be bringing your way in October. But until then, we hope everyone's doing well and comforting themselves with something that they love and keeping up to date with the people that they care about. Uh, Rin, did you have anything else to say? Yeah, just stay healthy, stay safe, stay happy, and we'll catch you guys next time. Wonderful. Have a good one, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye.